Chloe says, hold on, what is Chloe trying to tell us? Chloe, was that enough juice for you? Juice. (laughs) Okay. And if anything, you can always mesh stuff together if there's too less juice. (laughs) Um, I know, that's so awkward. Anyhow. Hi, y'all. Welcome to Bundle of Hers. Today in the studio, we have Bushra and Margo. Hey. Last week, we defined what radical means to us. And I just want to quote Paulo Ferreira's definition again. The radical is committed to human liberation, does not become the prisoners of a circle of truth within which reality is also imprisoned. On the contrary, the more radical the person is, the more fully he or she enters in reality so that knowing it better, he, she can transform it. And we had a beautiful discussion last week. I hope you all are continuing from that. Um, This week, I thought it would be beautiful if we talked about our narratives and when we started becoming radical thinkers. Um, I saw this thread on Twitter and the question asked, what radicalized you? The responses were really eye-opening. So I thought it'd be really cool to just kind of go through our stories. So who wants to start? I'll go ahead and get the conversation started. The thing that radicalizes me, I think, is I come from a very large family. Uh, I come from a single mother household. And I come from a culture that's very paternalistic. And it was very interesting to me that my mom was the breadwinner in our family and that she had all of us to take care of. And yet, for whatever reason, the fact that she was a single mother was always a bad thing, even though she was doing her best to take care of her eight children by herself and also working at the same time. So she's being demonized in the eyes of our culture because my dad wasn't around just realizing inconsistencies and rules or things that we hold valuable in our own lives, just like questioning why are they so important and why are certain people demonized for the things that are outside of their control. So that was the first thing, the first inkling of like, this is not quite right. And I'm not sure I buy into this whole men are the head of the household thing that was kind of shoved down my throat. In, in the eyes of my culture, probably in the eyes of many cultures across the board. So that was the first thing for me at a young age. Bushra, I think I really resonate with your story because when I started, you know, imagining a completely different world for myself was also when I was younger. I grew up with two elder sisters. And in my culture, there is kind of a stigma of only having daughters And like, it's really important to have a son in the family. So I always was chasing this acceptance from the world that I'm just as good as a boy, if not better, right? And Mm -hmm. I would always be more masculine in certain tasks, just so I could be like, I'm just as good as a boy. I remember thinking growing up that, you know, in my culture, I wouldn't be allowed to go to school for much longer. I'd be married at a certain time. Then I'd want to have kids. And I was like, wait, but do I want to have kids? I was imagining a world completely different than what was going to be prescribed to me. And I think I was having that conversation with my sisters. So my radicalization didn't happen alone. It happened with my sisters and the discussions that we had together. That is when we all started becoming radical thinkers. And we're like, 
we are not going to do X, Y, and Z. We're going to do what we want to do, right? The three of us, you know, ended up getting higher education. My elder sisters got married at a much later age than any of us thought we could ever get married at, right? They imagined a different world and I imagined a different world. And I like this story because I think that sometimes when we become radical thinkers, it's not a solo journey. Sometimes with people, right? right? And those two people were my sisters. And they would always be like, no, 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 no. We are going to not live like that. We're going to be different. Yes, these are the rules that are assigned to us. But no, we are going to go to school if we want to. We're going to become professionals if we want to. Me even speaking on this podcast to me is like mind blowing. <laughs> I think my journey of becoming a radical thinker also started in my home, Bushra, just like yours did. Right. And that to me makes me so excited. You know what's so interesting when I was thinking of sharing my narrative story of how I became a radical thinker? It didn't start with my family. It actually started with college. But now that I think about it, it actually did start in my home and it started in my family. And I also think the point that I want to highlight in your story is the aspect of support that you had with your sisters and how powerful that is to keep you going in accomplishing the things that you wanted to accomplish, even though that you thought that it wouldn't be possible to be where you are at right now. I think a lot of times we don't think about how necessary it is to have that support to get us through these like difficult and trying times of uncertainty. Mm -hmm. Like even for me, I had my siblings are very supportive. My mom, she is also very supportive, though she um, holds a lot of traditions at the core of who she is because that's all she knew. And so it's interesting to challenge the beliefs of your parents who at one point you thought they knew everything. And Bushra, I actually love that you say that because... Yeah, my parents grew up really wanting to have a son, but I imagine they also must have been radical thinkers to come here and like set themselves up into a new life. My mom grew up in that culture where she would have kids and raise them and she's out here selling ice cream, creating her own business, right? And it's like those moments I'm like, wow, actually we do have these actions of imagining a completely world that we thought was possible for us, right? Although I still also disagree with my parents on a lot of things. <laughs> I do appreciate that they, you know, had that that want to do that. And that's probably where all of our wants came from one another. We all were imagining different worlds for us. I think in part, it's also like a necessity too. I'll speak for myself. Like my parents came to this country because they needed to leave Somalia. You know, they couldn't stay in their country, even if they wanted to, they couldn't stay. And so coming here forced them to have to navigate a new completely different world and that comes with its challenges and i think one aspect is holding on staunchly to you your identity and your culture and so growing up i don't know i feel like i teetered around this idea of like a very collective culture where you think about the whole group as a whole uh, the whole family unit versus a very individualistic culture in America where you think about yourself and how you navigate the world. And so like those things sometimes don't mesh very well. And so navigating that has been super difficult in terms of like the person that I wanted to be and radical thinking from seeing differences in both perspectives, I guess, is addressing issues in both 
ideas in both like cultures. Right. Yeah. I think what you said, Harji, like how when we were thinking about and planning this episode of when we first became conscious of when we were radicalized is very different when now we're having a conversation about how our um, childhood and life experiences have created and influenced the way we think about and experience the world now. I don't think I had any conscious understanding or crossroads of conflict like you guys did with different cultural questions and things with your parents. And I, I do think that my parents fostered in me a critical lens about the world and questioning um, that. And then also my mom was an immigrant here from the Czech Republic when the communists invaded and at, at that time Czechoslovakia. And I think like you were talking about, that was radical for them to come here mm-hmm. and escape that and think very differently than they had there. And so I'm sure a lot of that influenced me subconsciously as I was growing up. And it's really cool to talk about how any experience that we have had as a child can really um, impact us now as adults. But when I really first became conscious of thinking radically or questioning the world was, I would say first when I started college, uh, my biology professor had us read uh, Mountains Beyond Mountains by Tracy Kidder. And it was the first time that I had been in a science class, which is supposed to be, you know, like theory and fact and science and math tied in with narratives of people who are suffering from tuberculosis, which is supposed to be something that, you know, in the U.S. is cured and we don't really see that much and how there really is a discrepancy and people are still affected by this and that our studies in science can make a humanistic impact and have other radical effects. And so that was sort of the first intro. And then I took a gender studies class with that same biology professor. Oh, so cool. Like a biology professor who taught gender studies? Yeah. Okay. Dr. Lostro, she's amazing. Um, yeah. So she also got to teach a feminist and gender studies course, which I took because I just loved her so much. Um, and from that, I took away this critical, even more critical lens of like critiquing everything that we saw that I was seeing in life, like from a TV show, like I remember really like to watch South Park in college and then just watching that with a new frame of mind of like how harmful the jokes and tropes that they were portraying, even though it was supposed to be a comedy, like could still be so harmful in what they were perpetuating and just other things throughout life. And so I I think that was the moment which I really started to question and challenge different things and become consciously radicalized, I guess. Yeah. And I, I think for me, Margot, I really like how you say when when you consciously developed, like, I want to be a radical thinker, I'm a becoming a radical thinker. Because like I said, I didn't think of my story as a young person, but I think that's when it started. But when I consciously started thinking about it was in my first semester of college, I took ethnic studies. I was actually with this group called CESA. Um, it's the Center of Ethnic Student Affairs at the University of Utah. I would say 90 students. There was three different ethnic study classes. So we were like a cohort and we all took these classes together. And um, that was when I first started putting words to things, thoughts and feelings that I heard. Also learning about like, you know, race, um, ethnicity, gender, oppression, like manifest destiny, you know, model minority myth, like all these terms started coming up in my mind. And I remember when I was in ethnic studies, I was like, 
okay, so this is what it means to actually apply radical lens or a critical thinking lens onto a topic. Because what I was learning in this class wasn't what I was taught in my history classes, you know, per se. So that's when I was like, okay, no, I need to question things. Like, this is the type of person that I want to be. But I think that was pushed one step further in 2014 when I did a gender studies class. Um, it was remixing hip hop and feminism. And I learned about anti black racism. And that's when I really was like, okay, this is what it means to be a radical thinker. It means to, you know, in with action, imagine a completely different world than one that exists that is killing people. So that's when I really I was like, okay, so how can I work towards a different world? And that's when I thought of the action part. So ethnic studies kind of got me to the thinking part, but it was my gender studies class, which got me to the action part. And I think after that, I applied to this um, South Asian Americans leading together. Um, it was like a leadership group. And the topic was confronting and addressing anti-Black racism within the South Asian community. So I think that's where um, I was like, okay, this is my next step further. The academic setting is a very interesting place to learn about not only topics that you otherwise wouldn't be exposed to, but also about yourself. And I think college was very transformative for me, too, because I feel like the person that I went into college and who I was after I left college is completely different because I had kind of a shift in my thought process and confronting my own beliefs and my own problematic thinking too, because you are, <laughs> well, most universities are uh, historically white, <laughs> as you can, right. as you can imagine. And so you go into these places as a minority, as a woman, and you go into spaces for discussion. And I would say prior to college, I was a very quiet person and I usually didn't say anything. Um, but I remember a particular instance in one of my classes, I think it was a political science class. And so we talked about race and how race is politicized in America. I remember someone saying something to the effect of the only reason why race is an issue in America is not because racism exists, but because people of color want an excuse to put the blame on something for their inadequacies. Mm -hmm. Anyways, <laughs> I just remember like my ears getting hot and like just like that was a very dumb thing to say. At that moment, I was frustrated, but I didn't say anything. And I regret not saying anything. Yeah. And so I had to kind of look internally as to like why I didn't feel comfortable enough to share my voice. I think that's because like I never thought that it was a valued enough voice, you know? Mm -hmm. I think that's such a deep and vulnerable like statement, Bushra. You are felt to believe your like voice doesn't have value. And I, I think that's something that I wanted to change because I didn't want to be put in that position again. So I tried really hard in college to anytime that I felt like I needed to say something to say something and work on not necessarily being confrontational, but to engage in a dialogue, because ultimately what I wanted to do is to figure out a way to kind of penetrate this person's thought process so I can understand where they're coming from and then verbalize my own beliefs and thoughts and my experiences. Because I think that with things as sensitive as 
does this, it can go one of two ways. It could just blow up and everybody is in a screaming match. Um, the more, I think, productive thing is to engage in a meaningful uh, conversation. And I think being radical means that there's a chance that you may have to confront your own beliefs. That definition of like the very essence of your being can be challenged, but I think it's necessary to challenge your own beliefs. I think that's so powerful, Bushra, too. And I want to say, too, while we're having this conversation about all three of us, how we had a very transformative experience in college, I want to recognize and acknowledge that that isn't always accessible or the goal of many people and that it is entirely possible to become radicalized or have these transformative experiences outside of an academic setting. I think academics fosters it and allows us to explore and and build our voices like you were talking about, Bushra, but I think... But also fosters it in a limit. That's where you have to... And I love that you brought this up, Margot, because even people in academics, we have to push the way that we are taught to learn as well. Exactly. I, and, and I wanted to make a comment that like even there's still hierarchy and um, this sort of circle of what were we calling it earlier, you know, like the system is how it is. And, and there's a set hierarchy and, and way that you should go about academics. And um, when you're talking about not feeling like your voice has power, I think a lot of times we feel like we have more value in our voice, the more education we obtain. It's not true always. And that's something that society sort of has set up but I want to just acknowledge and state that like, you don't have to have a, any education to be able to speak radically and make a change that will be impactful for the world. Just to add on to Margot's comments, I think that it's important to recognize that the education system does not have a monopoly on, on knowledge and people could be knowledgeable without necessarily receiving a degree at the end of your learning because knowledge is a lifelong and books should be accessible to everyone um, regardless of whether you're getting a grade for it or not. Yes. It is very important to know that this is our story and when we started shifting our, the way we thought of things. But in reality, that shift for a lot of us started at a young age, right? But what I'm trying to say is that it's possible anywhere. And that's why I think the radical thinker has to engage in knowledge in a humble way with people from every single walk of life. And I think that's what's inherent to that definition that we discussed last week. I love that. And I think it's a good note to end the episode on is to know that, like Bushra, you said, knowledge can be obtained and is anywhere, right? And so you never know who you're going to learn from and having a conversation with somebody can teach you an infinite amount. So I think it's important to to have the mindset that you can learn from anyone that you have a conversation with and to reach out to people that may teach you unexpected things. So on that note, thank you all for joining us in this conversation about radicalism and our own personal journeys into the consciousness of being a radical thinker. Um, we'd love to hear your input or your your story on at Bundle of Hers at Instagram or at Bundle of Hers podcast on Facebook. And make sure to join us next week as we continue the conversation about radical moments in healthcare and how we can make radical change. Here's a sneak peek of the next episode. 
a lot of times out of necessity, we have to become radical thinkers, right? We need to imagine a world differently because the one that we exist in is killing us or our people. Professionalism has been used as a tool to kind of stifle you and to say that the way that you dress and the way that you look and the way that your hair is and the way that X, Y, and Z is unprofessional and therefore not invited into the space of collaboration, especially in uh, healthcare. Something I'm trying to incorporate as a resident now is what can I learn from med students and what can I learn from the environmental services staff and what can I learn from the dietitian and can I be more open to having conversations with these people about their experience in this system and how can we work together to change it?